Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 61 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I hope this episode finds you well, and I thank you for giving me some of your time. So, what are we talking about today? Bells and whistles. Not all of them, but some. Let's get right into these ringing phrases and chime in with their origins, history, and more. First up for today is, well, all the bells and whistles. If you show up wearing all the bells and whistles, it means you're dressed to the nines, with plenty of fancy and perhaps unnecessary adornments added to your outfit. This is typically done in an attempt to garner extra attention. Actual bells and whistles aren't required, but they did inspire this saying. Many people think the origin is organs. Not the inside-your-body kind of organ, the musical kind. In old-timey times, and honestly this hasn't really changed, it was common for fairgrounds and circuses to have these airy instruments also known as a calliope. Calliopes can have around 25 to 67 whistles on them, depending on the type, and their one-of-a-kind music is hard to ignore. Calliopes were invented in the mid-19th century, and the literal use of bells and whistles has been in use since the 18th century. I realize that that means the phrase is older than calliopes, but bear with me. Since at least the 1700s, folks have used the term bells and whistles to describe things like fire trucks, trains, and basically anything else that uses a literal bell and or whistle to bring attention to itself. If you take this literal use and combine it with the fact that a whistle-filled instrument was being used to bring attention to a fair, well, the result is an idiom. From then on, all the bells and whistles became an idiomatic way to say loud, flashy, or attention-seeking, and the idiom can be used positively or negatively. As for being in print, the earliest use I could find documenting the idiomatic version doesn't appear until the 20th century. Was it written down as an idiom before this? Perhaps. But here's the earliest idiomatic print use that I could find. In June of 1971, someone ran an ad to sell a used car. It was in the Wisconsin newspaper, the Capital Times, and it read, quote, 69 Riviera, one owner and driven very few miles with all the bells and whistles, $3,695, end quote. Even if this wasn't the actual first time it was written down idiomatically, it did lead to the idiom becoming a favorite of salesmen to try to move their product. Now, let's look at a similar saying, with bells on. With bells on, while similar sounding to the last phrase, does have a different meaning, which is to be eager. For example, if you're excited about being invited to something, you might let the host know you'll be there with bells on. This one, also like the first, 
gets its start from literal bells. There are two main theories I could find, and while they're similar, I'm going to share them both with you. A lot of folks in old-timey times used horse-drawn wagons, and we need to look specifically at Canesta wagons. These were large, covered wagons, named after the Canesta River in Pennsylvania. They were heavily favored by folks in the eastern U.S. and Canada, especially in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. They weren't often used for westward expansion, though, as they were too heavy for prairie traveling. They were mainly used more for moving south on the Great Wagon Road, which passed through the Great Appalachian Valley. Anywho, as with most wagons, these big old wooden vehicles were pulled by teams of horses, mules, or oxen. Whatever animal they used, people took great pride in fitting the harnesses with bells, which were tuned by each wagon owner to make a sound they liked. If a wagon got stuck and needed help being pulled out, the rescuer would often ask for some of these bells as a reward. Therefore, showing up at your destination with all your bells on meant you were a good driver, and if you were missing some, then you were looked down on for not being good enough to avoid getting stuck. This practice eventually took on a more decorative use, in which people would decorate their wagons and harnesses with bells when attending a party or other festive event. The more bells you had, the more excited people assumed you were to be there. So the bells helped make the party better, and made you a better party-goer. The earliest idiomatic use in print I could find comes from an article in the Oakland Tribune, a newspaper from Oakland, California. In June of 1904, they wrote this about a boxing match. Quote, Jeff will without a doubt be in good condition by the last of the month, and barring further accidents, will be there with bells on. End quote. That's all I got for this one, toppers, so now let's make things as clear as a bell. If something is as clear as a bell, then it's easily or fully understood. For an idiom that refers to understanding information, there isn't much information out there about it. That makes sense, though, because it's really pretty straightforward. Bells, when made properly, ring out a loud, crisp, easy-to-hear tone. If you hear a bell ringing, it's almost certain that you'll instantly know that that sound is indeed a bell. Specifically, this idiom alludes to church bells, which are often in tall towers, which allows the bell to be heard from a long way off. Also, as we alluded to while discussing all the bells and whistles, bells have long been used by things like fire trucks to bring attention to themselves. Bells make great alert tools because they're so distinct and can be made to ring loudly, clearly announcing the presence of something important, or marking the start or end of events. Bells have been ringing out for a long, long time. The earliest bells were made of clay and can be dated back to at least the 3rd century BC. Metal bells began to be made around the 2nd century BC. So, they're old. Because of this, no one seems to know exactly when this saying became a saying. However, it had to be in use idiomatically before 1670 because John Ray, the English naturalist, included it in his book, English Proverbs, that year. And speaking of years, 
Let's look at why we ring in a new year. Every December 31st at midnight, we ring in a new year. Or do we bring in a new year? There's some debate about this, and I'm going to help you set the record straight. Technically, you can both ring in and bring in a new year. Both versions of the saying are grammatically correct. So why are there two similar ways to verbally kick off the new year? Basically because one is more literal and the other is more traditional. Bringing in the new year alludes to the idea of the new year being escorted in as the old one passes into the past. The new year is brought into existence by the ticking clock, so it makes sense to say that time is bringing in the new year. As for the ringing, we can thank the fact that humans love to celebrate things for this one. Since way back in old-timey times, folks have been using bells during celebrations. Especially at churches, the bells in tall towers have long been used to announce things, as we already briefly discussed. This can be anything from announcing it's time to start a service or to mark the end of a wedding ceremony. Also, it may mark the start of a new hour, and every December 31st, the start of a new year. Sorry to continue to be so ambiguous, but a first use in print for this one was also hard to pin down. What I can tell you, though, is that in 1850, the British poet Lord Alfred Tennyson wrote in memoriam, Ring Out Wild Bells, which helps us know that ringing in the new year was a well-established tradition by then. Quote, Ring out the old, ring in the new. Ring happy bells across the snow. The year is going, let them go. End quote. And with that, it's time for today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Today's metaphor is grabbing the brass ring. This one can be used to say, go for the best, go for the long shot, or to live life to the fullest. This one goes all the way back to medieval training practices for knights. To become better at hitting targets with their lances, they would ride towards poles with brass rings hanging from them, which they'd try to spear with their lance. It didn't become a metaphor until around the 19th century, though, when this old-timey times battle practice morphed into a children's game. From around 1880 to 1920, carousels offered more to children than just rotating on fancy wooden animals. If you were on the outside row, there were rings offered up at random from dispensers that the riders could try to grab. This was in part to make the outside row more desirable to kids, since that row doesn't always have animals that move up and down. While spinning around on their painted steeds, the kids could try to get the brass ring, which could be traded for a prize, which was often an additional ride for free. However, not all of the rings being dispensed were brass. They were mostly iron, with only one or two being the desired brass material. You can still find some of these vintage carousels with the added game feature, but they are few and far between nowadays. And I guess I've let you down again, toppers, because I didn't find a first use in print for this one either. However, it has been in dictionaries used metaphorically since at least the 1800s. So, there's that. 
Now let's move on to today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Thomas Mann. Quote, Time has no divisions to mark its passage. There is never a thunderstorm or blare of trumpets to announce the beginning of a new month or year. Even when a new century begins, it is only we mortals who ring bells and fire off pistols. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Mann, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, love advice from old-timey times. Just a quick disclaimer, remember that this advice is over 100 years old. While some of the advice is still good today, I don't necessarily agree with every tip I read from these books. It's for entertainment purposes only. With that out of the way, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't put showy qualities before honesty and uprightness in your husband. And now for the men. Don't slouch. No one who cares for a man likes to see him acquire a slouching habit. Alright toppers, that's going to do it for episode 61. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, how to send me topic suggestions, how to support the podcast, and for details about the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. If you want bonus stuff, check out my Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, remember that you can't unring a bell. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. It means you're dressed to the nines with plenty of... (laughs) If you take this literal... I lost my place. Dang it. If you take this literal use and combine it with whatever I wrote, but I lost my place again. (laughs) Oh, okay. They were mainly used more for moving south on the great... The more bells you had, the more people... No, that's wrong. (laughs) Okay. And made you a Betty... (laughs) That's all I got for this one. Nope. For an idiom, that refers to understanding information. There. Oh, I read that completely wrong. That makes sense, though, because it's really a straightforward. No.
What I can tell you, though, is that in 1850, the British poet Lord Alfred Tennyson wrote in Memorand... <laughs> wow, I butchered that word. What I can tell you, though, is that in 1850, the British poet Lord Alfred Tennyson, <laughs> Tennyson wrote in... <laughs> I did it again. In Memorandum. Wow. Memorium. 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 I know that. What's wrong with me? In... <laughs> I already can't say it. Memorium. Memor... I know how to say this word. I, my, my mouth is broken. Memorium. Memorium. Since that road doesn't... Doesn't... <laughs> they were mostly iron. Iron? 